This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No Haaland, no problem for Manchester City as the Blues prove they can do it without the Nordic meat shield. City cannot rely on moments of individual brilliance, said Adam on Thursday's show. Well, it turns out they most definitely can. Kevin De Bruyne's wonder goal giving City the three points. We'll speak about Edison being great, as he always is. We'll speak about Jack Grealish being great, as he always is. And we ask whether or not City are allergic to wearing their black and red away kit in the Premier League. It's Monday the 31st of October. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm David Powell. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Lads, 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 welcome to this historic occasion. I feel like I should have a suit and tie on for today's recording. The first of our daily episodes, and we're starting with a belter. Adam, it's been, I'm not going to say it's been a long time in the making. It's, it's been a couple of weeks in the making, but we're finally here. We've had hours on the phone from one coast uh, from one coast to another. Obviously, I'm in the UK. For new listeners, Adam is on the, what is it, west coast of America, over in Portland, we've we've spoke about this, we've planned it, and finally here. It feels good, doesn't it, Adam? Yeah, after much deliberation, we decided mm. we wanted to to corner the city content market, and here we are, taking yeah. over like a plague. Yeah, yeah, check us out, us innovators. Yeah, um, so so we teased in in our what was it Thursday episode that we've been in the transfer market, we've been making some new additions and we've got a debutant straight off the bat here. I'm delighted to say we're joined by David Powell. Obviously, you gave us your little introduction in the intro. Um, David, you're a little bit of a TikTok phenomenon, aren't you? Over over 40,000 followers, which is what 
the Etihad Stadium on a on a rainy midweek game. All of those following you on TikTok. And um, when you're not winding scousers up, what what else is it that you're doing? Yeah, so I mean, I decided to start the TikTok channel just at the back end of last season. Just I thought, mm. obviously, we weren't going to order games because of you know the COVID and stuff like that. But I am um, I actually qualified as an architect, so oh wow, I got the yeah, yeah I got the um. Privilege to work on the Etihad about ten Dear years ago, me, doing doing some. Uh, that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> it was a bit. It's more of interior design, but I did I did work on some of the bars, which was really exciting. And then, as that progressed, I just started a clothing business. I've been doing that for ten years, so that is my day job. Um, design and sell clothes, yeah. That's and incredible. Man City so, on the side. Are, are you the reason why the queues are so terrible at the Etihad? <laughs> is that because of you? <laughs> No, 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 that's not me. I was doing the uh, like the citizens bar and stuff ah, like that. So right, right, yeah. No but where everyone gets served. Yeah, where everyone gets <laughs> yeah. served. No, they get they get drinks brought to them down there. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Genuinely didn't know that. That that's superb. Um, Adam Rin, Rin Esteem Company. Quite literally, you know that. That's that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I was. I mean, I I wish he had been the one to lay the foundations because I know that architects will always like leave things inside of columns and stuff for people to find in a hundred years when it's blown up. And I want to yeah. know all the little secrets that are buried underneath the stadium. Yeah, oh, no, I think no, I think was... it's um, Southampton Stadium or Portsmouth Stadium. One of the two. There's apparently a shirt from the other club buried. It's Southampton. They got the new stadium, didn't they? So there's a uh, Portsmouth shirt as um, uh, as the sort of the story goes, buried underneath St Mary's. So um, obviously, David, you're a blue. You wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been messing about with that. Um, but I, I guess we'll get into it straight away. Then um, we're here to discuss on today's episode Manchester City's one 0 win away to Leicester City. Obviously, the massive talking point, sort of, not even just pre-match, over the weekend was Erling Haaland's fitness. Pep Guardiola came out on Friday, said we'd see in training on the Friday, whether or not it would be fit enough. Then, obviously, news broke around, what would it have been, two hours or so before kickoff, uh, that Haaland wasn't with the team. Everyone's scrambling to do the fantasy Premier League team. I had a few messages saying, is Haaland fit? Is Haaland fit? Um, but, Adam... As for the match itself, I, I think you file that one under the category of hard-fought victory. City certainly deserved to win, but it wasn't plain sailing. Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of cliched big wins. Um, mm, you know, kind yeah. of everything in the game is stacked against you in the sense that, um, you know, you're missing your big striker and, and Leicester are playing pretty negative style of football and, and packing their their own box um, with a really, really solid back. 12. Um, and yeah, yeah I mean, I, I felt going into it that it was going to be a bit of a slog, but then I'd have to say that I thought City were a bit more expressive than I thought they might be. You know, we've been speaking on, on this show the past few days about how <clears throat> it felt like with the kind of hybrid back three that things had gone a bit stale and attack and players felt isolated on the wing and and things like that. Um, but I thought that the midfielders did well making late runs into the box. I thought Alvarez was making a lot of the right runs. Um, in the end, obviously, it took you know a moment of brilliance, which apparently um, I'm going to get criticized for saying. <laughs> I, I didn't think City could win games based off of that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those where you just kind of wipe the sweat off your brow and say, all right, we've, we, we got past it. Let's move on now. 
Yeah, and you could tell by the celebrations at full time from the players going over to the away end, which was incredible, by the way. I, I wasn't at the King Power, but the noise, the constant noise, and, and it, it, you can tell when the commentators are even even praising City's away following because I feel like sometimes the likes of United and Liverpool get that sort of praise whatever the whatever the performance is from from the commentators but you could really hear the city fans and and from speaking to a few who were there they said it was one of the best of the season um what i david what i found so impressive from saturday's game was the supreme level of control City operated with. Sort of from the first whistle, really. I, you have that build-up of Haaland's missing, the team's looking a bit different, Foden's not starting, and you imagine a Jamie Vardy counter-attack inside the first five <laughs> minutes, those happy clappers at the King Power rattling away, you know, just about waking up from, from Friday night, the night before, and the head's hurting a little bit, and you're thinking, dear me, here we go. But from that first whistle, City got the game really by the scruff of the neck. And they controlled it in a way that, I don't know what you think about this, but the last few games where you said that City really lacked that control, it was a bit haphazard at times. You know, that that Brighton second half is the perfect example and, and Dortmund in midweek giving away so many chances. Yes, Leicester were negative, but it felt a little bit more like City of last season for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean I, as soon as I saw the lineup. I, my dad lives in Manchester. I live down in the Midlands, so we were always texting each other through the game and I seen the lineup and thought, that just screams of Pep wants control of the game. Mm. Like Kanji, Stones, Gundogan, Silva, Grealish. There was no like Mares on the pitch. There's no Ruben Diaz who can be a little bit more erratic with passing at times and stuff. So I just thought he's he's still worried about the sort of six-two counter attacks and he wants to control the ball. He, he's thinking the more ball we have, the less counter attacks, and mm. essentially the better we're going to be going forward. And then in the end of it, it turned out to be a bit of a Vincent Company long-range screamer defining moment as you said that that's how it panned out wasn't it and uh mm. miles away from that 6-2 counter-attacking game we, we we just dominated it from start to finish to be honest with you it was hard to watch don't get me wrong but yeah yeah we we controlled it from the right the first minute I thought Grealish like you said at the beginning was was fantastic yeah it, it was his game really wasn't it I know a lot of people have criticized him for not being a player that he 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 ever was, basically. We we spent hours on this podcast speaking about Jack Grealish and the expectations around him and but the way he controlled the game. I said I've said it a number of times, we'll get on to Grealish a bit later on, but it's like having a centre midfielder playing uh, left wing and, and you get that control from him. Okay, if you're chasing the game, if you're one nil down, maybe he's not the perfect player for that. But in terms of the way City were playing yesterday, he, he was superb and obviously the goal was incredible. A truly, truly magic moment from Kevin De Bruyne and, and a true indicator really of his quality and I've actually got the clip to play Adam from from last week's episode where the one and only Mr Adam Booker you, you had something to say about how City simply cannot be reliant or not, not even cannot be reliant cannot keep demanding this sort of stuff from Kevin De Bruyne and I'll just let it play for the listeners to remind themselves it's tough to say I don't want to rely on individual brilliance because there's enough to go around in this team and and, and, it, and it will kind of save you most of the time but I may, maybe it's maybe I'm spoiled maybe I am used to wow. the, to the you said it not me you said it not me maybe I'm used to the system creates everything that aged well <laughs> didn't it Adam <laughs> I like to think that my thought process was that it's not sustainable long term and I still stand by that theory. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, some games 
that's just what you need. And this is definitely one of those games. And there'll be a, there'll be a fair few of those games where teams just decide to, you know, pack the box. Um, you know, you think back to the the Dortmund game at home earlier in the season where they played, you know, I won't, I won't call it negative football, but very defensive football. And it took mm. a John Stone's wonder goal and uh, Erling Holland flipping upside down and, and scoring to, <laughs> to, you know, break that deadlock. So yeah, I, I'm not going to say I'm unhappy about it, um, but I do stand by that it's not a long-term sustainable plan. But I don't think that every game is, is going to play out like this. In fact, most won't. Um, but this is what, you know, it's a it's a huge, huge cliche, but this is what champions do, right? They find a way when, when the plan A isn't working, they find a way to win games. And when you have players like Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch, they'll find ways to win games. Yeah, I, I I fully agree with that. I just think it's nice to see that as soon as Haaland wasn't on the pitch, De Bruyne next next guy in, in that lineup is he can mm. still pull those big moments out for us. Mm. No, we don't want it all the time, but it's just great to know that De Bruyne is still there in the wings waiting when Haaland doesn't do it for us. From one wonder goal to what would have absolutely been another if it wasn't for Edison's wonder save on the Yuri Tillemans, what, 30 yards, 25 yards full volley, which he, he tipped onto the crossbar, which actually at first I, d- I didn't realise he got a touch. It was only on the slower replay. You go, that's absolutely going in the net if it wasn't for Edison. Um, David, he's come in for some criticism lately. Not from us, I might add, but there's been a few saying Stefan Ortega's there. He had a good showing in midweek against Dortmund. Should he be getting mm. some minutes in the Premier League after? I'm hesitant to say it was a mistake against Brighton, but he, he should have saved the the uh, Trossard goal. But he was excellent against Leicester and really commanding and, and doing the sort of stuff many have criticised him for in the past, which obviously isn't his strong point, but add that into his overall game. And it, it was a really good performance. Yeah, no. I, I, for me personally, he's one of the first five names on the team sheet every week. I know he was partly at fault for the Brighton goal, but like you said about the Tillerman save, you don't actually see the touch in real time. Similar to the Mo Salah one a couple of weeks back, where yeah, he tipped yeah, yeah, it yeah. round. I don't even think it was a, a they, they gave a goal kick. I think cause it was such a small touch, but he gets a lot of, lot of criticism about his saving. But for, for me, like. Everything he does in the game, even when he does a bad distribution kick, he'll get on the ball within 10 seconds again. And he has a confidence and sort of like, oh, Pep always says, the personality to get on the ball. He's absolutely got it. He makes a bad bad pass out, straight back mm. on the ball, and he's doing another one. I think it's the kind of confidence that just goes through the, same, the full team. Like when we had Bravo in goal, one bad kick, the whole team knew that his confidence was shrinking, his personality was shrinking. Whereas Edison, even if he, he makes a mistake like the Brighton, goal which yeah he probably should have done slightly better but it doesn't phase him and I think that's mm. exactly the kind of character you need on the pitch so I, I I would never drop him for as long as he can play for City I'd be playing him personally yeah absolutely spot on we said a number of times I didn't have haven't we that Edison is not the best goalkeeper in the world and actually that as we're recording this United versus West Ham has just finished where a couple of late David De Gea saves gave United a victory and and that's always been something De Gea for example has been superb at it's, it's everything else that Edison brings and it's the same with Alisson mm. last season for me Alisson was was Liverpool's most important player alongside Sadio Mane and you see as soon as their performances drop just how poor their overall performances are uh, as a collective and, and yeah Adam Edison on top form is so vital for City and it's, it's great to see some of those people who maybe doubted him in the past finally opening their eyes and going, yeah, you know what, he, he is the perfect man for the Blues. 
Yeah, I mean, you only have to look to last week against Brighton where, um, you know, the City were having trouble playing out of the back and, and breaking through what was a really good Brighton press. And, and one little tweak and you tell Eddie, hey, can you just send it, you know, 70-odd yards down right onto Holland's foot? Yeah, no yeah. problem. Bang, goal. Um, you know, it's it's similar to conversations we've had about Jao Cancelo where we don't look at Jao Cancelo and, and yes, he's a defender. On the team sheet, he is plays in a defensive role. But when we speak about what Jao Cancelo brings to this team, we don't speak about his defensive qualities because every player has a, a specific set of skills that they bring to the team. Yes, Ederson plays in goal, and he's a fine shot stopper. He's not, you know, he, like you said, he, he's not David De Gea making these kick saves and, and, and things like that. But what he brings to the team is so important. And we've said this so many times. There is not a man, woman, or child on earth that, gives, that could give City what Ederson gives City. And it is so important because he is an 11th outfield player for City when they need him to be. And when you're breaking down presses, when you're playing out of the back, it's so vitally important to the way that City play. And there's just no one else that I'd, I'd rather have doing that job. Yes, maybe there's some better shot stoppers. And, and at times we could say, oh, you know, maybe a different goalkeeper makes that save or pushes that around the post. But what he brings to the team is so important. And that's always going to be vital for especially Pep City. I'd be a little concerned if there was a child who could do the job better than Edison. <laughs> that, that, that would be a bit strange, wouldn't it? Um, right, let's move on and speak about the main talking point from before the game, and it's still carried over into after it as well. And that's obviously the news about Erling Haaland, who missed the Leicester victory, which, when you look at the result, is less consequential, but it's still you know a little bit of a worry. What are we now? Four games from the World Cup break. It was one of those interviews from Pep post-match, which was a little confusing because of the language barrier that that exists. Obviously, Pep's a, a superb speaker of the English language, but sometimes some things can come up a little confusing. Um, right, okay, he, he said that he doesn't know when Haaland will be back, but but the main reason for missing the Leicester match, he said, was was because of a fever, not the ligament problem he'd picked up against Dortmund. He won't be involved against Sevilla, Adam, for obvious reasons in midweek. So it's all eyes on Fulham next weekend. And, and how crucial do you think it would be if City were to be without Erling Haaland? Or how detrimental would it be if they were to be without Haaland until the end of the World Cup break. Can City survive with this sort of setup we saw against Leicester or what is it? Sevilla in the Champions League, dead rubber, Fulham at home in the Premier League, Carabao Cup against Chelsea at home and then Brentford at home as well. So not the most difficult of games, but still ones that pose their own problems. They can certainly survive. I mean, that's I don't think we're going to doubt the, the fact that you know City can score goals without him. Um, I think it's, it's tough to judge the way that City play without him when this was the first kind of full 90 minutes we've seen without him and Leicester played the way that they did. I think any team on earth would have trouble breaking down that side. Um, I thought Alvarez played really well. I mean, he made all the correct runs. He, he had that one chance that I think Ward saved and the flag went up, but he was actually on side and had he scored, it would have been ruled a goal. Um, yeah, I, listen, he we got good results, it sounds like, from the scans on his foot. Mm. Um, he's obviously not going to play in a Sevilla game because he does. He wouldn't need to even if he was fit. Mm. Um, if he doesn't play against Fulham, maybe he gets you know 15 minutes and, and is back for the next one. Um, but I think that City are going to – they have got plenty of other weapons. Foden, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, like we saw. I think Alvarez is, like I said, good enough to, to be stuck in there and score the goals mm. when he needs to. So 
it doesn't worry me. I, I think if there was kind of bad vibes coming out of, of the club surrounding this, then I'd start to get worried, but I don't feel that at all. Um, I think we'll probably see him back against Fulham, but with the, with the question of can they survive until the World Cup without him? Ab- absolutely. You know, we've, we've won yeah. Premier Leagues in the past without a couple of Premier Leagues now without a big goal scorer scoring goals. And, you know, if City had to do it for 120 minutes of football, they'd be all right doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It felt strange watching this City game without that big blonde lump up front. And, and it's only been, what, two months since we, since he signed and we've become so accustomed to it. Um, we'll quickly wrap up part one, one then with some listener questions, starting with this from Balogun, who asks, some watching the game felt this match was evidence of our need for wingers that are better one versus one. Now, David, we're going to cover this in tomorrow's show in a little bit more depth, looking at the profile of wings and whether or not City need to spend money on, on it in January. But how did you assess that partnership on Saturday? Because for my money... It was absolutely fine. I, I didn't see any issue. And when you're playing against the back seven, like Leicester were, you're not going to have players going one one v one every other every other time they get the ball. So, uh, where did you come in on this debate? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. To be honest with you, I, as soon as, when I saw Bernardo Silva out wide right, I'm happy with that. I think I remember the season where he was absolutely phenomenal playing out there. Mm. So I had no problems with him playing out there. And Grealish, I've I can see his progress every week. He's getting better and better out wide. So I had absolutely no problems with it. I understand where people are saying, like, yeah, we need a, a 1v1 winger like Sterling or Sane. But the, the argument on the other side of that is, where are they running to? Mm. When you've got yeah. 11 players on the on the 18-yard box, there's literally nowhere to run. You can't beat a player 1v1 when there's actually three fullbacks in the pockets and the corners, which has been partly Grealish's issue when he's played really wide left, that you can't get into the box past a right back, a central midfielder and a right winger. There's just no space. So I thought Pep picked the right two. I think it worked eventually. Um, But yeah, long term, it'd be nice to have a a quick winger in the squad. Yeah. Just, Just a couple of gripes I have with some of the things I see online about, you know, I've seen some people saying, oh, let's go out and get, you know, Musa Diaby from, from Bayer Leverkusen and, and players like that. And um, you can't compare the way that Leverkusen play football and the teams they play against mm-hmm. to the way that City play and the, the teams that City play against. And I think if you stuck a wing partnership of Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish into a Bundesliga game that's wide open and has played up and down and up and down where they have a ton more space, we'd be seeing the things that City fans are crying out for. Um mm-hmm. So that irks me a little bit. But um, the other thing with with the Grealish criticism over the weekend, what I don't understand about the criticism is, and I I put this out on Twitter, is the entire City team will pass the ball around in a circle for 30 minutes, sideways, backwards, sideways, backwards. And then the ball gets to Grealish and he goes sideways and backwards with it. And we we all, you know, throw the toys out the pram and say, why is he, <clears throat> why is he not going direct? When in reality, every attacking player on the field is doing the same thing, but it's once it gets to Grealish and he doesn't go straight to goal, it's an issue. But when Bernardo Silva doesn't go to goal, it's not an issue. When Kevin De Bruyne doesn't go to goal, it's not an issue. So that, that irks me a little bit. It feels like it's aimed just specifically at Jack Grealish when it might be a problem across the whole, you know, the whole wing duo. So yeah, I, I'm fully with you again. It's like when the ball's gone to Mares over the past four or five seasons, you don't see him going down the right-hand side, down the wing, past the f- defender. He, he is always going to come back inside, whether that's a ball backwards, a ball 
like horizontally inside or across to the far post. That's what Mars is going to do when playing on the right hand side. And it's the same for Grealish. He's not he's not writing gigs. He's not going to burn past on the left. So if there's no space for him to come in on the angle towards the box, he's going to have to recycle the ball and go backwards. So I've done it like a couple of the games of late where Bernardo Silva's gone wide left and let Grealish drift inside. He's been brilliant because he can actually go left or right. The defenders don't know where to show him. And I think that, that for me, Grealish is doing fine. Like when I hear people slag him off in the stadium and on Twitter and stuff, it, it does really annoy me because I can see he's doing what he needs to do week in, week out. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. So as part of this new look format, every week in the first episode after a Premier League weekend match, which is oddly specific and and sort of a long way of just saying Monday's episode, we're going to play a little game. Now, Adam, you and I have done this before, but I'll run through the rules once again because we've got an addition. So you've got to be working together. I feel like a prime school kid partnering you two up to go and work on a project. But if you can, if you can get along, lads, you're going to work together. In front of me, I've got a selection of ratings of FootMob from the City match at the weekend. I'm going to read them out and I want you to tell me either who the player is I'm speaking about or you have to guess the highest, lowest player, etc., etc. So I'll start with a fairly simple one. You can confer, you can work together, so I do expect some conversation. Can you tell me who you two think City's highest rated City player was from Saturday's win over Leicester? And why might that be? I'd say this is an easy one. I'd say yeah. it's very easy, yeah. Kevin DeBruyne. You go for it. Yeah. You happy with KDB. that, David? I'm more than happy with that, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it was... It was fairly comprehensive as well. Pretty simple, as I said. Interestingly enough, though, De Bruyne did get man of the match, probably just from that goal alone. If you look at his, his sort of stats from the game, there were, there were a few, uh, let's say, um, untoward moments, mainly spamming crosses into Danny Ward's uh, Danny Ward's hands, which is something I never, ever, ever want to see again. As good as that free <laughs> kick was, it was um, a little bit laborious at times. Moving on then, who do you guys think City's lowest rated player from the Leicester win was? And, and have a little think about it, because this one took me by surprise a little bit. I'm just trying to think if anyone was somewhat irrelevant. Because obviously we we didn't there weren't moments when any any defenders got you know kind of burnt. I'm I'm thinking maybe Gundogan. I mean he didn't do all that much. I thought I thought at times it looked like just against what I said earlier to be honest with you. But uh, Justin, I felt like he had a really good game against Bernardo Silva. A couple of times you normally see Bernardo Silva hmm. nick past someone inside and he he just sort of brushed him off. Maybe Bernardo, maybe Gundogan. Bernardo Gundogan. Any advance as 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 it's your first time on the show, I'll let you give the final answer, and I'll I'll stick with it. Oh, uh, so you? I'll go. Go Bernardo, yeah. Go Bernardo. I'll go Bernardo. Right. So, what did you say, Adam? Or who did you say, Gundogan? I said Gundogan. That would have been wrong, David. Okay. You you pressurized, you forced Adam into a corner to agree with you on this <laughs> one, uh, Bernardo Silva. That would have been wrong. Any quick, <sighs> any quick thoughts on who it might be other than that? Uh, just off the top of your head, any shouts? Because you, you two from two on the wrong side of things at the moment. Alvarez. Who said Alvarez? I did. Yes, there we go. We finally got it. In fact, he was the only oh. City player who started to come below seven 
most City players, bar one other, who we'll get to in a moment, were in the sevens around 7.1 to 7.8 or seven. Well, you know how sevens work. Um, but Alvarez came in at 6.3, which I thought was a little harsh. I mean, I guess he, he didn't do much, but he didn't really have space to do much. So yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. And I guess that was probably why it wasn't because he had a stinker. It was just because he wasn't really involved, but yeah, that, that one took me by surprise a little bit. Um, next one, then we're going to change the format slightly. I'm going to give you two players. Now they can come from either City or Leicester. You have to tell me who scored higher in terms of the rating. And it's going to start off with Jack Grealish and Rodri. So who scored highest out of Jack Grealish and Rodri? Uh, I'm going to say Rodri just based on the fact that the internet was against Grealish straight after the game. So, <laughs> are, you, are you saying that I, the football ratings are influenced by some 12-year-olds uh, tweeting well, a, a photo of uh, Bernardo Silva or, or Kevin De Bruyne? <laughs> no, no. I'm going to stick with Rodri was higher though. We've got. Are you happy with that, Adam? I've got a nod. That's yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I think it, it was a pretty simple one again. Um, Grealish came in at a respectable seven point five. Rodri eight point one. And and when I said many a time before, Rodri is the sort of person I could have a camera on all ninety minutes. And I think he, that was his perfect game. Going off topic a little bit, I loved the way he was pressurizing high up the pitch. You had Gundogan sort of dropping into the more traditional holding midfielder spot, and you had Rodri really going for it high up. So yeah, you've uh, you've recovered from the previous shocker. You've got that one. Um, I'm going to change it over to to include a Leicester player now, and it was actually the highest rated Leicester player. So we'll we'll end on this one. The highest rated Leicester player was James Madison. Did he score more on the Footmob ratings than Bernardo Silva? This is to finish on a high. It's been okay so far. Can you finish on a bang? I'm going to say know what yes. Bernardo Silva had. No, we that. don't. I can't tell yeah, you we that. Don't. I, I think Matt Madison was just about their only threat on the break. So I'm going to say yes, but I'll again, I'll give David the final nod here. Yeah, no, I'll go with you. I'll say Madison, yes. Madison was higher than Bernardo. Is that what we're going for? Mm. Yeah. So Bernardo Silva scored 7.1. Do you want to stick if we, on Twitter? If we Are lose this by a decimal point, I'm shutting down the recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never allowed back on again yeah considering we're nearly at the end I hope you do it at some point I'm not staying on this all night um, are you happy 7.1 for Bernardo do you want to stick or do you want to twist stick, stick. okay James Madison against City scored 7.3 go on Yes, just about. I just felt it. About. I felt it in my bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which sounds like a Stormzy title, considering who James Madison brought to the stadium. Did you see that on the American broadcast? Was that was it? Was it his guest specifically? Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, okay. they've they've struck up a bromance, which is um, a little interesting. Maybe it's James Madison's ploy to get into the England squad. He's going to get Stormzy to to uh, terrorize. Gareth Southgate in his next track. Um, right, enough of this nonsense. <laughs> David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. A, a strong showing, let's put it this way. You wouldn't be getting any 6.7s or whatever it was. You know, Football <laughs> would be giving you a, a strong rating after that. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolute pleasure. We'll be hearing plenty more from you. Um, just quickly, where can people find your world-famous TikTok account? What what handle will it be coming out? If, if, for those who have TikTok, and they should because we're on there too. 
Yeah, so drop me a follow. It's MCFC247. So I, I tend to post videos either winding scousers up, like you said, or just talking about games and reviewing stuff. So yeah, drop me a follow. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And always go on to the comment sections because they are fantastic. <laughs> um, Adam, it's been fun. We'll be back every day this week, Monday to Friday. We've got up tomorrow. We're going to be looking at a little bit more of the tactics from the Leicester game. And like I said, previewing, oh, sorry, going through whether or not City need to look at a, a January window purchase for the wingers. So yeah, we'll, we'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, drop us a follow, subscribe to this podcast plenty of exciting stuff coming over the following weeks i've been amos murphy i've been joined by david powell and adam booker and until next time see you later make sure you're geared up for man city's end of season running with mcdelivery Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 